Full Contact Cannabis. Good morning, folks. This is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hemp Farmer. And you've stumbled into Full Contact Cannabis, and I'm with my co-host, Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media in Los Angeles, and Abby McCullough in Nashville. Good morning, folks. Uh, good morning. Love the smell of cannabis early in the morning. Well, it used to smell like money, and now that's, yeah. Uh, and how are you doing, Abigail? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? As well as can be expected for being an old hemp farmer. We did, we're going to have a person scheduled this morning, but because of unforeseen circumstances, they're not going to make it, but that's not going to deter us. I think we're going to, since it's been a few weeks since we've been together, there's all sorts of little things that are going on, and I think we could talk about it. One is after Mississippi and South Dakota legalizing, there's been a big time pushback. And in the dear old Mississippi, the Supreme Court nullified their little plebiscite. And when you say pushback, you're talking government pushback, right? Well, in, in this, uh, Mississippi, uh, there was a mayor who decided they didn't want pot shops in their city. In fact, it was, I think, Madison, Mississippi, the mayor of Madison, Mississippi. They filed a lawsuit, got bumped up all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court threw out the law. So now there is no longer medical marijuana in Mississippi. And the dear sweet lady who is the governor of South Dakota is trying to do the same thing in South Dakota. And all while this is going on in the wacky, exciting world of D8, we've had three or four rec states declare that uh, D8 was illegal in their state. New York, Colorado, Michigan, Illinois, and I think there's someplace else. But the funny thing about it is, all those states have recreational cannabis. That's interesting. When I looked into the logic behind all that, uh, I think I know is if I'm pay I'm in uh, New York and their fees for getting a recreational marijuana, either as a producer, processor, or a retailer, it's kind of pricey. And then I got Ed's Autorama down the street who sells used cars and D8, and he's not having to pay any compliance, any excise tax, and quite frankly, is selling, making more money off the D8 than he is his used cars. That's capitalism at its best, right? It is, but it makes being in states where dear old Tennessee, where it appears <clears throat> there's really hasn't been any desire to push back, it's water in a desert for those people looking for THC. So meanwhile, we get up every morning and we check our email and see if our profit model is going to go bust or it's we got we can sell D8 for another 24 hours. Back though to dear old Mississippi, there was a boatload of money was spent with anticipation of Mississippi having theoretically by July 1st, they were going to have people were going to be able to start growing a few small amount of plants and they were going to be opening up the licensing process. And it was the first you know, if you call the real old South, I don't know, Virginia, when they passed their uh, recreational marijuana bill, they're sort of a purple state. You know, yeah, I mean, that's not the South. Yeah. But as far as the, you know, deep South, it was, a you know, really was. It got bombed. Meanwhile, in next state over, Alabama just passed a medical marijuana law and they did it through the legislature. 
So uh, it's much more restrictive. They don't have flour, don't have near as many conditions, but they uh, do have like tinctures and topicals and supposedly uh, stuff that you can do, not so much like a vaporizer, but inhalant, those little things you do for if you have a, a attack of asthma. So that just passed. So That's interesting. Yeah, kind of, I think, one of the reasons why some of the pushback has been in places like South Dakota and Mississippi is because it wasn't done through the legislature. Right. It was kind of wide open. And I think this is now an attempt for those governments to get a hold of it. And I think that's why Alabama did. I think it was a preemptive. They got to jump in so they can secure the tax revenue stream. There's not going to be any of those pesky little, you know, where they go in and vote on stuff. Also, Minnesota opened up their medical marijuana to flower before it was just concentrates and stuff. And the dear old state of Connecticut, they are pushing real hard to legalize rec because they are losing revenue to both New Jersey and now New York. Aren't they losing to Vermont as well? Yeah, Vermont though doesn't have, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, everybody who's sitting across the border from any place that they can sell recreational marijuana, yeah, they're losing revenue. And there's this New Hampshire, live free or die. Yeah, you know there's pressure there too. Meanwhile, California. How are things out in California? California. Are they finally lightening up the tax structure Uh, for cannabis out there? I believe they are a little bit as far as uh, city versus state versus fed. I I think it's a touch down. I've noticed, you know, a lot of them used to just tack on this fee. They just called it a fee and and that doesn't seem to show up anymore. It's actually kind of quiet. Uh, because as we all know, California has much bigger issues going on right now. You know, from a cannabis standpoint, allows everybody to kind of fly as they are while the state deals with a uh, really bad economy and huge uh, homelessness crisis, as well as still reeling to come out of the pandemic. Have they tried to clamp down on the couriers in LA yet? No. In fact, I get flyers all the time. So either they're all trying to get going before they try to clamp down or they're not going to worry about it. The the couriers have been going for a while here and it never seemed to be, I never saw or read about any issues with couriers, especially during the pandemic. Nobody was supposed to go anywhere anyway. Do you think black market still... uh what percentage, if you had to guess, and that's what I'm asking you to do, is what percentage of out there do you think is still black market? If I guessed overall, mm-hmm. I would say somewhere between 30 and 40. Explain. Well, if gray market world, um, if I was a user before medical became along, I, I bought from a dealer and his only hope to maintain his business was to always provide quality because everything else was, you know, under the radar, so to speak. Then if legal comes along and I want to be quote compliant, then I either have to go to a dispensary physically, or I have to use a courier system. And in both of those, now you really can't tell quality until after the purchase and it is very inconsistent uh you might buy flour that 
you know, a, a strain that you buy one week that's fantastic and say you buy it another week, it's not so much. I believe it has driven the edibles market to higher standards because the consistency of edibles has always been there. So more people have just switched to edibles and that's a lot easier. Therefore, if I'm frustrated with a courier service or dispensary based on a myriad of reasons, inconvenience, um, availability, access, then I'm tempted to go back to my dealer who's going to be there and he's going to always have quality. Is that a good enough explanation? That's an excellent one. Um, since we're still on, and how is the weather there in California? Well, it's been really good. My nest gave me 100 leafs last week because I had run my heat only for 33 minutes in the last quarter. And that's it. No, no air conditioning, no anything. So it's really been gorgeous, I have to say. That's what you pay the high taxes for here. So that part of the state is delivering right now. Isn't that an important part of life? I would hope so. Well, like, and now that the weather's nice. And what is the weather like there today? Well, right now all the windows are open and it's sunny and it's very comfortable indoors. Uh, I would say that it's probably going to be a high of about 71, 72 today. Suck it up, big man. Suck it up. Hang on just a second. I can give you the full weather scale here. All right. Well, you know, it's important because if you ask anybody in the cannabis industry from California, they will tell you that the cannabis center of the universe is in California. I would guess that. All right. Yeah. Today, it currently it's 63 degrees, high of 73. Tomorrow, high of 75. Saturday, high of 74. Sunday, high of 76. Monday, high of 76. So a little warmer for the Memorial Day weekend. Okay. But, but still guys, consistent. But can you guys get consistently get D8 in California? I haven't tried. I guess I should go out and recon that and see if I can. Well, I don't think you'd be able to find it at, at a rec store. The question is, are they selling that? Do you think they're selling that stuff like in vape stores and gas stations there? You know, what's interesting is my little local grocery store, I walked through there the other day and they had a CBD cabinet uh, that I had not seen before. And it was chock full of stuff. I didn't have time to really scope it out, but my next trip, I will. It was typical of over there by the locked up, um, you know, high-end liquor and locked up cigarettes, I guess. And I'll, I'll, I'll take a bruise. I'll ask them. I'm sure they're not knowledgeable on what they have. Uh, but I'll see. And then dispensary-wise, you're not allowed to go in them right now. You basically have to place an online order. They prepare the order for you, and uh, they meet you at the front door with it. Now, I, the the online order for most dispensaries has been really restricted, not not their normal supply. But let me, the one I like to go to, I'll, I'll search online and see if they're offering D8. For some reason, I don't need any because I get a really good supply from this dude in the South. Tennessee Homegrown? Oh, my God. How do you know them? Well, I happen to know that Tennessee Homegrown is a, a small batch premium D8 products and CBD products available all online and in several stores. 
But speaking of selling CBD, I keep CNBC on because it's like sort of like the you know video wallpaper of the stock market. And I try to pretend like I'm a businessman. Lo and behold, they had a seven-minute segment this morning with Martha Stewart. And she has evidently her new CBD brand that she's pushing is doing quite well. Yes. Her and Snoop. Well, no, this is what didn't this I didn't have anything to do with Snoop. It was her. And it was you could see that she's made a commitment. And she was on there touting that every evening she does a couple dropper fulls of her tincture and stuff. So yeah. Well, was, I'm, I'm a I'm a huge fan. And she's she's been talking about she's got this special green juice that she makes that she shares the recipe uh, uh, widely. And she talks about her uh, copious amounts of CBD uh, ingestion as well. And she's 79 years old. She's looking good. Martha Stewart, 79. Yes, she is. Wow. And, and, and evidently the jail time didn't really do her that bad then. Cause she looked halfway decent. I'm sure she sees that as a speed bump. Abby, how long did Martha Stewart do time for, or do you know? Honestly, I don't know, but I do have the um, internet at the palm of my hands. She was sentenced to five months in prison, so, five months home confinement, and in, in addition, fined $30,000 and given two years of probation. Wow, that $30,000 okay. slap on the wrist. I think that just covered some fees. <laughs> yeah, well, I, but it, it was an example that, no matter how high a station you have in life, if you break a law, the, the full arm of justice will come after you. I, I will say, you know, regardless of who she is, she is an example of, you know, she, she did her time. She took it on the chin and she went back to work. And now yeah. she has street cred. And now she has street cred. Yeah, that's right. I'm serious, man. Yeah. I you know she was on lockdown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She had a bracelet. I know. Now, the question is, do you think Martha Stewart, like every like year, gets together with, the, you know, the people on cell block nine and they have like a reunion, you know, the ones that are out? There's probably been a little Zoom Zoom meeting or two, I would guess, you know. I would think you would bond a little bit. Sure. Absolutely. Now, she was well, she served in a, a luxury fed penitentiary, right? I'm sure. Yeah. Well, wasn't wasn't your norm wasn't your normal Oz? I'm sure. Abigail. Yes. Back to talking about Mississippi. So all those people that had bought plants that maybe had even put them in the ground or started to grow them that were medical um, cannabis. What was the the decision made on all of those crops? Did they have to burn them? Were they taken by? No. The original plan in, in Mississippi was this was not going to kick in till July 1st. Okay. But remember when we had Brad Crafton on? Mm -hmm. All right. Brad knew people that had already spent a couple million dollars and already had built the indoor facility. That's why they got a hold of Brad. Brad was going to, once the, it clicked, he was going to go down there and set up their growth. But they already bought the property and already had already started building it out. And I have a gut feeling there was probably 15, 20, 25 groups that had money that were doing it. Now they were doing that on speculation, right? Well, no, the law had been passed. The law had, had been passed. Wow. Has, yeah. And, and it had, was going to take effect July 1st. And 
all that. And then, like I said, this mayor of Madison, Mississippi, decided she didn't want pot shops in her, and she filed a lawsuit. And they found a loophole that they could go with. And it's how they, you know, basically negated it is kind of nebulous at the most, you know, not much now, there. Now, is it just one city or is no, it? No, it's the whole damn state. It's the whole state. Wow. Mm, man. So, I mean. Well, they'll counter sue. You know? Well, I'll, I'll, yeah. I mean, people, I mean, rich people who have, you know, really good lawyers don't go gently into the night. Right. They're, they're not going to walk away from a $2 million investment without a fight. Well, and, and if you got a law, a really cool lawyer on retainer and you don't do nothing with them, it's like having a Porsche and never taking it out of the garage. Abigail, you said, or Abby, you had another question? You had questions? Um, so in Tennessee, for example, you can get Tennessee homegrown at a local grocer called Turnip Truck. Um, in California, I think I already know the answer to this question, and I believe it's no, but if you were to go to a whatever the name of your local grocery store is, for example, and they have a CBD box, they don't have any kind of Delta 9 or Delta 8 available. I cannot 100% answer that because I haven't checked, but I just wrote it down with my grocery list to go check it out. Okay. Yeah, I just, I didn't know. The challenge will be, you know, whoever's going to have the key and come over and let me take a look at it. They're not going to know because they're grocers. Turnip trucks a, a unique situation, and you have people there who operate that part of the store. Um, I I will say that I should check at Whole Foods here as well because in their supplement natural herbs areas, there's usually somebody there with some knowledge. I'll check them both. I'm using the Google machine here, and the Google machine says yes, Delta Eight THC is legal in California. Well, I'm kind of curious how that's going to work out because, like I said, the compliance costs in uh, California, they're kind of pricey. Yeah, it, and, and when it says it's legal in California, you know, what level of legality is it? Yeah. Can it be, can it be sold at the gas station and grocery stores or is it stuck in dispensaries? And, you know, how is, how is it actually regulated? I'm not surprised that it's legal because, you know, it's pretty open here but as far as manufacturing it there's not a lot of hemp being grown getting d8 or d8 it's kind of a niche thing both from a cultivation standpoint and a consumer standpoint because you know honestly most people here are looking for high thc i'm betting in california if delta 8 is legal you ain't going to find it in a rec store or in a medical dispensary and you're going to find them either vape shops or hemp cbd shops or that sort of place. I don't yeah, I, you could be right, but I, I now have a task, so I will carry on with it. And and it's going to be curious to see how that, that will settle out. One of the things that I think that, especially in the places that have a history of, a, of Delta 9, a long history, is I don't think they've really taken D8 serious yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would strongly agree with that. I still talk to D9 guys who swear up and down that it's a fad and that people really aren't getting high and they really don't like it. When you tell them, well, we have several customers who used to do D9 edibles who prefer D8 edibles, they just said, well, you don't even know what, what that is. It's like, okay, you know, what could you say? 
Yeah, it always comes down to consumer preference. I'm a huge fan of the D8. Yeah. I'll say that. We're here in Tennessee. We're finally got the soil temperatures up, and we're starting to finally grow here, get crops in it. Tennessee homegrown, we've got in probably 20% of our crop, and hopefully in the next 10, 12 days, we'll get it all in. But we are growing a lot less this year. We're strictly growing for research and uh and that's about it and then also quite frankly we're doing it for the photo ops <laughs> well what what are you growing actually all right we're growing t1 which we've been growing the last couple of years and then we're growing this thing that lee calls tennessee vol which i call readyville Godbud. well it kind of came up on its own we were composting material that a processor done in the back where the soil's real bad. So we just put this stuff back there to compost. We had this one plant come up, what turned out to be a female, that smelled like bubble gum, and it ended up having about 20% CBD. Was it like a was it like a bazooka joe yeah, smell or a bubble I'm gum? telling you, like bazooka, bazooka joe, joe bubble gum. And it's we're doing a small amount of that, and then we're doing three other varieties that we will not mention because we don't know how they're turning out. So we're certainly not going to tout them or later on if they don't turn out, you know, bad mouth them, but they're supposedly just full of terpenes. So we'll nice. see. Um, hey, did you take a, did you take a picture of that uh, Tennessee vol plant? Oh yeah. As it was growing? We've, Cause I, I'd be interested in getting the rookie card with a piece of Bazooka Joe, you know, that kind of thing. I, you know what, Mr. Step, I think you just came up with a wonderful idea. A set of baseball cards with your favorite buds. Exactly. Yeah. And then you could like get the breeder to sign it. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a boss. Real. I mean, seriously, there is no reason for us to grow biomass this year. There really, really isn't. We still got a couple hundred pounds from last year and we got a few kilos. There's no reason to grow biomass when there's two years of biomass sitting in airtight containers and all that all over so uh are you gonna set up like a ping pong table in the tennessee well, homegrown no, shed that's now? where we've got, got our tents to where we're growing a small about an indoor flower uh okay because we gave up i'm sorry at dear old tennessee homegrown lee crabtree and the old hemp farm gave up on trying to, to grow top, top, top quality flower in Middle Tennessee outdoors. Oh, wow. That's a big too hot, too humid, too many caterpillars. There was a little bit of ego there thinking that we could overcome nature. No, you can't. Uh, you're not going to beat it. Let's, let's well, do you look into the future. Do you see Tennessee homegrown becoming a full indoor operation as far as cultivation? Oh, we're not. Well, no, because the it looks so nice outside. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It is absolutely beautiful on Lee, Lee Crabtree's farm where we do Tennessee homegrown. A couple of fields where we're going to plant, he surrounded them with wildflowers. And so it's wow. it's just... That's beautiful. I know. Yeah. And, but it show, kind of shows you where the hemp growing industry is, is where the, the optics are more important than the actual growing. Yeah. Which leads me back to one of the things that we talk about, which was the plethora of emails, direct market, and on my internet feed sites about how somebody can come in and 
get it to where I can increase my online sales five to 10 times. That's incredible. Abby, do you get any of these emails? Um, yes, I have. It's pretty much, it's normally always the same um, rhetoric along the lines of contact me ASAP if you want to get on this opportunity. It's very limited. I'm taking in a lot of clients right now, XYZ. <laughs> and I can increase your standing on Google and, and, and all that. So I'm thinking that the new growth industry in cannabis is no longer growing it or processing it or even selling it. It's trying to get to help people with their online sales. There ought to be some sort of way that, you know, us full contact cannabis ought to be able to hone in on that somehow. How to on how to make your own podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. You know? Yeah. How to shoot great weed porn. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, speaking of which the podcast and, and I, you know, I hate to brag, but we should have our little moment. Full contact cannabis got voted one of the top 20 industry podcast in 2021. That's true. And it was among a very, very good list of high quality podcasts. Abby, when you heard that, did you get any sort of endorphins going or serotonin? It made me want to be number one, but yeah, I had a little, yeah. all right, cool. We're in the right direction. Like the little podcast that could. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it drove me to say, wow, maybe I'll get paid for this now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know it's a, I know it's a reach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, reach. Hey, we're we're talking about the cannabis business, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is the guest that we were gonna go on is is Donald and he's he's got a company called Columbia River Cannabis. And this is their seventh year, and it says Tennessee Homegrowns, it's our seventh year too. Uh, but the first five years that Columbia River Cannabis existed, they didn't make any money. It basically took COVID to kick things in to where they had a really, really good year. And I think that's probably one of the things that probably should be discussed more is the fact that you can get into cannabis business, be a cannabis professional, but oh, making a lot of money is, you know, an asterisk. Yes. It's too bad Donald couldn't make it today. Um, I think he might be our new Matt Damon that we'll just have to say, sorry, we didn't have time for you, Donald, at the end of every show. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, I was, I was, yeah, you, you nailed it, Jarbo. I mean, anybody can start in this business, but to maintain and finish in this business with a profit is uh, definitely a tricky thing. They were in the right place at the right time. They moved, they changed some agricultural things, and then bang, uh, the coronavirus hit, and probably the legal cannabis sales in Washington state went up 30, 40%. Yeah. I followed along a little bit and it was, there was a lot of uh, what I appreciate about them as I saw, they were very flexible in how they were adjusting their business model. You're right. When, when pandemic hit, they were at a time that they could really uh, capitalize on it. Which there's kind of been a role reversal. Because high THC and high CBD are, are that worlds haven't quite joined yet. They will have no idea when they will full fledged. But what happened early on in these states that got wrecked is that they overproduced, the prices plummeted, 
profit model was gone. A lot of people got out. So only the people who were really hardcore about doing it stayed in. And then when COVID did, and, and it affected sales everywhere. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's face it. If you can't leave the house, video games and being really stoned is pretty good way to spend your afternoons if that's all you got. And people were doing it, plus the anxiety. So people were self-medicating. So it went. Meanwhile, in the same daggone year that high THC was having a renaissance, high CBD, it self-destructed. It really did. We went from not having enough biomass and stuff to make product out to basically having a two-year supply. And a huge amount of the places where people sold their high CBD retail stores folded. So now we've got CBD, a bunch of people in CBD thinking, wow, I wish I could get into THC. And the people in THC saying, nah, you guys need to stay right where you are. Right. Uh, Abby, were you disappointed the fact that we did not get a form of medical marijuana? Or did you think that that was basically it was going to be Groundhog Day again? I think everybody was disappointed, you know, like give the people what they want. But I was not surprised um you know i there was more pressure before mississippi shot back down medical that tennessee would come around sooner but i have very little hope in um our state legalizing um all forms of cannabis before our federal government so i i, I have a very reasonable timeline in my head as to where and when there will be full access i just think it's it just hurts our own, our own government. Like if, you know, we actually looked at the numbers and saw that, you know, this is a source of revenue and to deny it is just increasing the black market. I think it's a no brainer. Um, but, you know, egos have a tendency to get in um, policymakers way. And unfortunately, um, you know, there's nothing in Tennessee we can do about voting people out. Um, yeah, I was disappointed. I have a question for both of you, though. Tennessee is one of the few states that there is an entrenched industry here for CBD. I'm seeing new processors and new sellers that I never knew exist. And I don't know how well they're doing, but they're here. Most all have converted to DA. So we were trying to figure out sales for Nashville, which is Davidson County. And I think not to exaggerate, I, there might be over a hundred thousand, maybe twice, two, three times that amount of D8 sold in Nashville every month. Big bunch of this is that it's being made from is are people that are already here. I mean, there's stores, this and that. Do we think there's enough money in CBD and D8 to exert fluence to basically shoot down any D9? Don't all jump in at once. Well, that was a very tricky question. Well, is D8, there enough money in D8 to keep D9 out? You think that's a driving force in the industry right now? The people that are manufacturing don't D8 don't want D9? I don't think the production makes a difference between D8 and D9. And if they do, they don't care enough to actually regulate it, hence why we can sell it at a gas station. All I know is that the people who were making money on CBD before, and we're talking about a huge amount of money being poured into it, invested in Tennessee. If it was not for D8, a bunch of these players would have gone away already. Because if you got 
I mean, you can convert CBD into D8. And if you're sitting on a 55 gallon drum of distillate that's selling now for literally less than you can make it for, it there's a lot of money. And, and I'm thinking, just all right, let's put it this way. Let's say just $100,000 gets sold in Nashville a month. The sales tax on that alone is 10 grand. Now, if you do that all over the state, right now, the state of Tennessee, whether they want to admit it or not, they're making money off of cannabinoids. Now, if you do D9 into that, does that just make it all difficult? And it, all of a sudden now you have to, to sort it out and you have things like, because this is the thing. I can try to imagine the state of Tennessee trying to implement high THC cannabis, whether it's med or rec, it will be a train wreck. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's a maze. Meanwhile, if, you're, if your state's making money off of it and you don't have to go out and put, you know, sign your name to any bill, it's just simpler to do nothing and you're still benefiting. Plus, I wonder if the fact that you guys got D8, why do you need D9? Mm -hmm. Which in a way, they kind of got a point. The do nothing approach kind of makes sense right now. I, I don't know how long it will make sense. It's one of those things that doesn't seem to be broken right now. Also, I always had this thing. It's ultimately, people might say it's about God or country or relatives or whatever, but ultimately it still boils down to money. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, so guys, once again, we've managed to waste a bunch of you folks time yeah. with just, th <laughs> with this, just three people we've destroyed an hour. Uh, yes. And I, I'm not sure if we had any really concise insights, but it is interesting that we had some good insights on the weather. Uh, I'll give us that. California dreaming, baby. <laughs> you know, that's all I can do. No, but it is funny how, you know, you, you kind of get caught up into this. A few states legalize, and it seems like there's this momentum and this sea change. And then when it all comes down to it, it's like, nah, it's still going to take a long time for this to, to be implemented. And I'll bring it up one more time in closing. People don't realize that once alcohol prohibition got repealed in 32, it was still seven to eight years before all the states started reselling alcohol. Yeah. I also think this is a reflection of the continued divisiveness in our country right now. And it's, it's extreme left and extreme right as far as the opinions on the cannabis field goes. I'm going to wind this bad boy up. Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media, and you can find him easily online. We have Ab Abby McCullough, who, who, like I said, you can reach her through our website. She does a lot of exciting things and knows the cannabis business pretty good now. And me, I'm the old hemp farmer. I'm going to try to get another hemp crop in the ground. As always, we are appreciative of Tennessee Homegrown giving us a platform to speak. Y'all, you guys... Keep one eye on the weather and the other eye on the market. All right. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thanks, guys. Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee homegrown and uppercut media production.
You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Full Contact Cannabis is created by Jarbo, the old hemp farmer. Audio recordist, Abby McCullough. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com.